Welcome to the Creating a Life You Love podcast. If you don't know me already, my name is Adriana, and today I thought it would be a good idea to do kind of like a question and answer type of video. So I asked you the past two weeks to input questions um, on my Instagram stories. So to jump right in, I wanted to first talk about something that has been going on in my life in the past few weeks. And that is loneliness. So one of the questions I received was, how do you deal with loneliness and feeling like God is separating you from people? So that's a very interesting question because I think a lot of times we can look as look at people leaving our lives as a bad thing and we can be like, oh, you know, God's taking these people away from me. When sometimes God will remove people from your life because he has something greater for you or because he knows that those friends would lead to destruction. So to paint a little picture, the past few weeks I've been dealing with a breakup and that obviously has caused me to feel very alone. And the other day I was just driving home and everything was so silent. I was really feeling lonely and my impulse reaction was to turn on some music, you know, even if it's worship music, just to to turn some music on. And worship music is great, you know, but in that moment, I felt something inside of me be like, you need to be in the silence. You need to truly feel alone. And I think we take feeling as alone as a bad thing when really it can be a good thing. You can grow your relationship with God in times of loneliness. And so these past few weeks, I have had great friends, you know, around me, but there's that loneliness that you feel when you get out of a breakup. And it's just, it's very different, even if you have friends around you. But the saving grace has been my relationship with God. So anytime I'm feeling lonely, I'm praying to him. And that's what I did last night or the other night in the car when I was driving home. I literally just prayed. I looked at the stars and I was like, you know what? Thank you, God. Thank you for this feeling of silence because it's making me depend more on you and not someone else because people in our life sometimes won't be around forever and they won't. But what won't change is God's love for us. And so this question this person also asked Um, How do you deal with feeling like God is separating you from people? And like I mentioned earlier, sometimes God is, can remove people from your life because, you know, they weren't a good influence or, you know, he saw something you didn't see. And so a lot of times we just have to remember that we don't see the full picture. And even though this may be a season of loneliness for us, we're not seeing why that is or what good can come out of that. Now, to kind of go to this next question, which is related, um, how, to, how do you have hope for new friendships and relationships? So when it comes to having hope, I think oftentimes we take having hope as having our expectations towards, oh, I'm going to be in a relationship like this someday, or I'm going to have this friend in a few months. And that's what we view as hope. But what hope really is, is trusting God completely and having hope in his plan, not having hope in your plan. And I was just thinking about this the other day because I was kind of holding on to the hope of being in a relationship in, you know, a few months or a certain amount of time when I know that I need to let that go and instead have hope 
for God's plan. So that's what I would kind of say to that. Remove your expectations, have hope in God's plan. Now, another one here, which is also related to friends, is how do you find true friends in Christ and a godly community? What I would suggest is number one, put yourself in environments where you're going to find those types of people. So, you know, say you want to, you know, get ice cream at a store, but you're going to all of these places that are not ice cream shops. So how do you expect to find ice cream? That's kind of a weird example, but you know what I mean? So say you're going out to places where, you know, there's kind of negative people, maybe negative environments, and you're not going to places like church or getting a part of like Bible study groups where you can meet people who have those similar beliefs. And another big thing is acting like the person you want to meet. So like acting like the friend you want to meet. So to give an example, when I go to the gym, when I first started there, I used to be very insecure, didn't want to talk to people, and I wasn't making myself like open. So no one would really come over to me. But then once I kind of realized that in order to make friends, I have to like be kind of comfortable in myself. I have to like be open and not closed off. Everything changed. And I've actually met quite a few friends that have had a relationship with God in the gym just because of how I'm acting and how I portray myself. So then people who are, you know, kind of like me will come up to me. And this can also go with social media. I've met um, a few friends on through social media that have lived nearby and I've been able to connect with. And it's simply because I'm putting myself out there. I'm making it known that I believe in Jesus, that I have a relationship with God, and that I am trying to live this godly lifestyle. And so making myself known in that way can attract other people who are also looking for that. And so that's been a really cool way to like use this technology to like you know, build this community and make friends. Um, and of course, sometimes you don't have, you know, people who are close by to you who are also on social media, but that's where getting a part of a local church can like come in handy and be super beneficial. Next question we have is how to maintain a healthy relationship. Now, I don't know if this is talking about relationships, like intimate relationships in like dating or friendships, but to touch on friendships, I definitely have struggled with this because I'm kind of one to, I like my alone time, let's just say, and I love being around people, but I think a big part of my life, I've always felt like I've always been putting the effort into friendships, and so because of that, I kind of just stopped putting effort into friendships, but that wasn't great because then I had these new friends that I was meeting and I, you know, maybe hang out with them once and then completely, you know, not hang out with them ever again, even though it was very enjoyable, I just wouldn't make that effort. And so that's a big thing, making the effort, you know, just like when you're dating someone, you are constantly texting, always in contact. That's kind of how it should be with friends. And of course it's like a different level, but I just don't think it's healthy to go months without talking to a friend and then, you know, just try to jump back in where you started. Sometimes that can work, but if you think about it, a biblical friendship, as far as your relationship with God, it doesn't work like that if you, you know, reach out to God like once a month. 
you're just not building that solid foundation and that friendship. So I think a big part of having healthy friendships is communicating, you know, texting each other, asking how they're doing, checking in, um, and then sharing about your feelings. Like maybe if they're not reaching out to you as much as you would like, maybe ask them like, hey, like maybe you're busy right now. I just, I don't know what's going on, but I just want to make sure everything's okay. And just having that open, honest communication is big now, next we have how to, how do you stay positive while being around toxic people? When I was a freshman at my high school, I was in a horrible mental place. And one of the reasons was because of the people around me. Now, they had their own struggles, but because of this toxic environment, it made it really hard to heal. And so this can be different for everyone. Sometimes if you're really struggling like I was, you may have to remove yourself from that environment for a short period or forever. That's what I had to do. I had to completely leave uh, midway through the year to focus on my mental health. Now, if we look in the Bible, we see, you know, Jesus sat with those who were living a sinful lifestyle. And he would not, you know, judge or condemn, um, for instance, like the woman who committed adultery and, you know, he went over to her when everyone else was trying to stone her. And he said, you know, I do not condemn you, walk away from your sins. And um, that's in John in the Bible. But if you think about it like that, you know, Jesus didn't go down to their level. He helped bring these people up. And of course, we are human, so, you know, we're having that temptation maybe if we're around these toxic people to also, you know, do what they're doing. But that's where a relationship with God comes in and having a stronger relationship with people who are going to lift you up than the ones that are going to tear you down. And so it's always to like have that, you know, balance. And I did a post a little while ago on Proverbs 13:20 that says, "Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm." And I got a comment on here um or a DM of someone saying, "Well, you know, as Christians, we're called to be around these people and help lift them up. And while that is so very true, we also need to have like the positive outweigh the not so great. So if you're around toxic environments, make sure that you're having enough positive people, godly people speaking into your life. And maybe you do have to remove yourself and that's where the discernment comes in of praying to God and asking him, you know, what you need to do. Now, as far as discernment goes... I got another question, another few, on discernment in dating. And this is one that I have been focusing on the past few months because I really wanted to make sure I was having a godly relationship. And I think you should always date with the intent to marry because you don't want to waste your time. So I think it's so awesome to start off as friends, you know, with whoever you are interested in. If you start off as friends, get to know them without have being blinded by like love or lust, without being blinded by that, you know, maybe you do like them, you are attracted to them, but allowing yourself to be patient and wait and not to rush into things, instead to just see what they're like as a person. And then from here, that's when the discernment comes in. You're like, okay, should I take the next step? And with my past relationship, we both really prayed hard on this. We were like, okay, we both, 
you know, want to be in this relationship, but we know that rushing into things can sometimes cause some issues. So we took about a month to really think about if we were going to move forward. And if we weren't going to move forward, it would be very difficult. We would still remain friends, but it would, you know, be very difficult. But we needed to put our own desires aside and see what God wanted for our lives. And that's where praying really comes in. And I know I get the question a lot of, well, what if, you know, I'm praying and I don't really like no, when I don't see an answer, like God isn't revealing anything to me, what do I do? And this both came across my mind when I was, you know, deciding whether or not to pursue this past relationship I had. And a verse that came, stood out to me a lot was Romans 12, where it talks about how you can test the Lord's will. But testing the Lord's will doesn't mean oh, well, I know this is a bad decision, like hanging out with these toxic friends and these friends that are leading me to do bad things. But, you know, even if I do it, the Lord will like take care of me and it'll be okay. Like that's not what this means. It doesn't mean getting into a relationship you know is bad, but just because you want to test it out and see. What it means is your heart behind the decision is in a good place. And where my heart was getting into this relationship was, you know, I really do care about you. We have amazing conversation. You know, I wasn't getting into this relationship out of lust or feeling alone. And I was like, okay, if this is God's will for this relationship to stay together, that's great. If it's not, I know he'll make it clear to us. And he made it clear to us that, you know, it wasn't his will. But I think that there were so many amazing things that came out of you know, testing the Lord's will. So getting into that relationship was testing the Lord's will. I learned so much from that. I learned how to really be selfless, how to put my ego and pride down and away. And so a lot of good came out from that, even though it didn't work out the way I hoped. And so it's because, you know, going into that relationship, it was in a way of, okay, Lord, like I trust you. So hope that kind of answers the question in discernment of dating. You know, don't make those foolish decisions just to make them. Um, if you don't know what the Lord is telling you, you can test his will. And I believe that even if you do make the wrong decision, if your heart was in the right place, the Lord will guide you and lead you to the right, you know, the right decision or whatever that may be. Okay, and then I know we've kind of been like on a friendship relationship topic. There's one more that I wanted to talk about in this kind of section because this was a big um, topic. But the last one is, how do you leave a great impression to people about myself and boost confidence? So going back to what I said earlier about if you want to make, you know, good friends – You have to kind of act like the person you want to be friends with. And that's kind of, you know, what I would say here. If you want to leave a good impression, you know, how would you want someone to treat you? And when I wasn't walking with the Lord, I know I definitely did not treat people the best. I probably gave like a side eye quite a few times or, you know, some mean, mean look And I'm not proud of that at all, but I've changed and come such a far way from that, so far away. But, you know, now where I'm at is 
I want, you know, you want to treat people the way that you want to be treated. I know it's kind of like a quote we may hear a lot, but it's so true. If you want to leave a good impression, how would you like someone to treat you? And then the second part of this, how to boost your confidence. Um, I don't know if that means if you, if this person is asking boosting confidence to talk to people or just boosting confidence confidence in general, but confidence when making new friends. I was very shy for a huge part of my life and always very scared to go up to people to make new friends. But I kind of did like exposure therapy in a way. Um, I didn't really, it wasn't like programmed or I didn't like program this whole thing in my life, but I just kind of did it like subconsciously. I actually talk about this in my social anxiety podcast. So that's a few episodes back if you want to listen to it. But primarily what this is, is forcing yourself to go up to someone and like compliment them. That's a good conversation starter. Like maybe you like this girl's pants. So you're like, oh my gosh, I love your pants. Like where'd you get them? And then you introduce yourself. I've done that in the gym a lot. Like, you know, compliment their outfit um, or their shoes. And then you're like, oh, my name is Adriana. And then, oh, what's your name? And then you kind of like get to talking. And so this is a really, you know, great way to kind of like, I guess, boost confidence with meeting new people is to just expose yourself to it. However may har- however hard it may be, just to make yourself do it, make yourself go over there, say hello, even though it can be really scary. But think about what you could be missing out on also. Like, what could you be missing out on if you let your own anxiety and fears get in the way? And, you know, I pray that God gives me the words and the strength um, if I am having any, like, social anxiety in that moment. So moving on from, like, relationships and friendships, a lot of questions I got were about, you know, a relationship with God. And the first one I wanted to talk about was someone asked, how do you continually show joy for the Lord. I will say there are a few circumstances that can really light you on fire for God, at least for me. I've seen it number one in my life when I'm sharing the word of God to others. And this is how you can really keep that fire going. Because imagine if you had like an amazing new, you know, discovery, but you kept it to yourself. Instead of sharing it with like your loved ones or your friends, that would be kind of like sad because it's like you're holding in a secret, you know? So when I started sharing, you know, what I was learning in the Bible or, you know, experiences, God encounters in my life where he like did something really cool, once I started sharing that to my friends or, you know, anyone who asked, social media, you know, I had more of a fire for the Lord because I was really excited to share with others. Um, And then another thing that can help you with that, you know, continuous joy for the Lord is having people around you who are also very strong in your faith. Um, The other day I was reading my Bible with my friends on the beach and someone came up to us and was like, wow, it's so great to, you know, see this generation still, you know, on fire for the Lord. And, you know, it made him hopeful. And so seeing other people, you know, getting in the word and living a life for God can make you have that joy. So just surrounding yourself with people like that. And then the third thing that I've experienced in my life that has made me truly on fire for the Lord is seasons of suffering. (laughs) Now, hear me out. This might sound kind of weird, but if you listen to my last podcast episode, I talk about how you can find peace in the pain. And like I said, going through my breakup the past few weeks, 
but the I've just been on fire for the Lord, wanting to read his word, wanting to listen to worship music, because there's nothing else to rely on but him. Because everything has been stripped away in my life, and I'm realizing that there's nothing else to rely on but him. And that can make you have that joy for the Lord. So those three, I would say, super huge. Maybe I'm missing something, but I would say in recent times, those three have definitely been keeping that fire going for God. Um, Of course, like doing your own studies and being on fire for the Lord comes from praying and listening to worship music and reading your Bible, even on the days you don't want to. And let's see, the next question we have is how to live in full freedom from sin. Now, I wanted to address this because I feel like a misconception of becoming a Christian is that you will not sin. That's, it couldn't be further from the truth. Christians make mistakes, you know, and you cannot actually have full freedom from sin until Jesus comes back to earth and saves us and, you know, defeats Satan once and for all. But how we can overcome sin in our daily lives, even if we, you know, cannot be completely free from it, we can put it to death by walking with the Spirit. And that means putting to death your fleshly desires, your earthly desires, and walking by the Spirit. Now, this is really a complex topic, and I did a whole episode on this called The Enemy Within. Um, And that is on the book The Enemy Within by Chris Lundgaard. I definitely recommend that book because it's a little bit too much to go into right now. So go back, listen to that episode if you want to hear more on that topic. But I did want to address that. So now we have how to make spending time with God not feel like a duty. Yeah, that that, that one I can relate to because there have been times where I'm just checking it off my list and I'm not really like getting into the word. Now, what's really helped me feel like it's not just something I'm checking off my list like a chore is not reading the Bible passively, like actively realizing that the Bible is not just a bunch of separate books that, you know, don't really make sense and like they're kind of just about history. No, like these books are all intertwined together and once you read them over and over again, you get something new every time. Like biblical literature is not something you can read once and be like, yeah, I know what it means. You have to go over that countless, countless times. And I have not finished the whole Bible yet. I'm still, I'm almost done with the Old Testament and then I will have read the whole Bible. But I'm obviously not done from there. I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm good. Like I read the whole Bible. Like there is something you learn every single time you reread a passage. And so making it not feel like a chore, I think comes from understanding it more and what's really been helping me is listening to videos on the bible like explaining like the theology of that and you know biblical prophecy and how the bible is just so and how the bible is just full of so many connections that you can't just read it at a surface level and so watching videos on a more in-depth explanation really helps me feel like it's not just a chore and it's something that's like really fascinating. Like it's just amazing. Um, listening to the Bible Project videos really help. And I love um, Tim Mackey, how he he's a pastor and speaker, author. He breaks down, um, you know, how books in the Bible 
are and you know what they're about and so if you just look him up he has like a podcast he works with the bible project super great resources and i think that's how it it has made um the bible and my studies feel not like a chore you know and also like romanticizing like your you know daily time with god um i know we hear that term a lot but like you know putting on like a little candle getting your coffee getting your nice little highlighters meeting up with friends like making it enjoyable um i think it's that's just so powerful to do let's see next we have how can I increase patience when spending time with God? Yeah, patience. Because these days we just want to pick up our phones and we're like, oh my gosh, like, you know, who texted me? Whatever it may be. Um, yeah, patience is a good one. I have realized that I really can't have my phone next to me when I am reading the Bible. I will like put it away or I'll put it on airplane mode. Um, and if I'm like doing something on my phone where I'm like learning about the Bible you know, like watching a video or whatever it may be and I have my Bible in front of me, I just put my phone on do not disturb um, because I think that can really help with like having patience. Um, And also, you know, praying to God to help the Holy Spirit work through you and give you that patience to sit down. And back to what I was saying earlier about making like the Bible actually something you aren't doing passively and instead like really doing it with intention, that can help you with patience because instead of just, you know, trying to get it done and like rush through it, you're sitting down and you're like, wow, what can I learn about today? What is God going to reveal to me? And so I think that, you know, can really help with increasing patience. And this is actually kind of interesting, but I always used to think that I could not say a full prayer because I would get so distracted. And so I'd make the excuse of, oh, well, I can't really pray like a long prayer because I just get distracted. Then I started playing the piano, just like simple little chords, and singing my prayers. And I can pray for like 15, 20 minutes straight. Just, I sing, you know, whatever comes to my mind. It may not, you know, go together, but I'm just singing to the Lord and, you know, playing the piano. I know that may not work for everyone. I kind of have like a little musical background. Not much. I'm not playing like, you know, classical music on the piano or, but anyway, you know what I mean? Okay. So I used to make that excuse of like, yeah, I don't have enough patience to like sit in silence. Um, and then I started doing that and realized I can actually pray for a while. So it's just finding what works for you. Also praying out loud because if I pray in my head, I will get so distracted. Like I will start thinking about what I'm going to eat for lunch tomorrow. Like what? I'll start thinking about what I'm going to do later in the day. I don't know. So what I do is literally get on my knees and I, I get on my knees on the floor right here. And then I put my head on this couch and I'm like literally just like this and um, praying on my knees, praying out loud. I think another thing that helps, I don't know if this really like ties into like being, you know, having patience, but blocking out all of the distractions in the world. So I literally will put a blanket over my head and I have some friends who do this too when they pray. They kind of like told me about this and it just blocks out all distractions when you just have like a blanket or something over your head just praying. I don't know. It just makes it very powerful and more like intimate, you know, so that's something that I've been doing and it has really been helping to get like more into my prayers. Now, next question we have is how do you do your Bible study and how can I live closest to God? 
Um, and then I had another question, which was similar to this, which is advice for setting a time for devotionals. Um, as far as structuring my Bible study, this has changed so much, even just in the past few months. And I'm always figuring out what works for me. Right now, what works for me is waking up, reading a few chapters in the Bible, um, typically like 30 minutes of reading. I am in Ezekiel right now in the Old Testament, so I've kind of been going through the Old Testament after I finished the New Testament last year. Um, so yeah, I've been going through the Old Testament, and what I do is, yeah, I'll read the Bible, and then I will journal, and then I'll pray, and then I'll look up the Bible project and look at some videos on the book that I'm currently reading. Um, and so that's really helped. And then throughout the day, like, how can you live closest to God? Well, you can live closest to God even if you aren't, you know, actively in the Bible. Maybe you only have an hour a day and the rest you're at work. Well, when you're at work, maybe you can, you know, just pray um, and just, like, make talking to God, like, a regular thing. Just, you know, asking him for the strength to get through that day. Maybe, you know, listening to a podcast that is, like, a biblical podcast, Um you know, you could listen to sermons throughout the day. Um, that's also something that I've been doing that's really just been helping me be in his word all day. Um, and then at night, I'll have like my longer forms of prayers. So in the morning, you know, I'm praying. But at night, I'm really praying and meditating on his word. By meditating, I mean focusing on a verse and kind of just repeating it in my head, imagining, my, imagining myself being next to Jesus somewhere outside um, and just, you know, really relaxing my mind and seeing how I can just, you know, relax myself. Um, so that's to answer that question of like how I kind of schedule my Bible studies. Um, there's also great Bible study books that I've done in the past that have helped me, you know, keep on a rhythm and that's been great as well. Um, and then the last question in this section here is what is secular music? And how can it harm my relationship with the Lord? So how I see secular music is anything that's going against the Lord. So what I mean by this, I don't necessarily think you only have to listen to like worship music or like only have to listen to Christian artists per se for me personally. So I may listen to like some country music, but I'm always making sure, well, for one, I have blocked all explicit songs on my music app because I just don't want to hear that. I don't want a song to randomly pop on if it's on shuffle or something. So I just have that blocked completely. Um, but I think that, you know, it really takes discernment. You know, what are these lyrics saying? I used to think that listening to I'm not going to, should I name any names? Well, you know, listening to artists like Cardi B and who are some other ones I used to listen to? I don't know. But, you know, artists like that where the topic was not godly, um, to say the least, I didn't think that affected my brain because I was like, well, I'm not really listening to the lyrics. Like, it's not really affecting me. But what I didn't realize was that the more I listened to these songs, the more my mind started thinking about lustful things or whatever the song was talking about. And so I don't think sometimes we realize, you know, we're like, oh, well, I don't really know the lyrics to this song. I can't even understand what it's saying. No, like your subconscious brain is hearing that. It's taking that in. 
and it's not just not great. So I would say secular music can affect your relationship with God because it'll make you farther away from him, even if you don't realize it. Like I said, I didn't think that listening to certain music at the gym bothered me until I realized the way I was looking at, you know, being in a relationship with a guy or, you know, dressing, how I was dressing. I didn't think that the music affected that until I took a look in the mirror and I'm like, wait a minute, why am I wearing this outfit to the gym? Is it for other people? Is it to get the reaction of what this, you know, song that I'm listening to is saying? Like, hmm, yeah, I think it might. And so it really does affect your daily life even if you don't realize it. Um, So yeah, secular music, I'd say anything that really goes against God. You know, I like listening to like some alternative, is it called alternative music? I don't know, but like country style, um, alternative folk, I don't know. But like sometimes I'll listen to like music like that, but I'm just making sure that the the lyrics are not dishonoring God. And lately I've been really loving worship music. I listen to Christian rap because there's really no rap music that I think would honor God unless it's from a Christian artist, which I love Christian rap, just, you know, lyrics are uplifting and it's just great. So yeah, long story short, you know, that's what I think about secular music. Um, And of course it takes your own discernment and praying. And I think the more you grow in your relationship with God, the more you realize, oh, I don't want to do this because once you grow your relationship with God, it's not that you're, you know, getting these things taken away. It's more that you love God so much that you want to hate the things that he hates. And so I don't want to get drunk and I don't want to, you know, act like a a fool because I love God so much. It's not that I'm like withholding myself from these things. Of course, we can be tempted at times, but it's more so that, you know, I don't want to listen to this music anymore because I love God so much that I don't want to do anything to take me away from him. Um, But yeah, temptations are going to come. You know, you you may miss your old past self from time to time, um, you know, the before Christ era. But I just remember that life is much more fulfilling now that I have God, even if it means removing some of the things that I once enjoyed. All right. And then the last two are related to fitness. So one question I received was, how do you maintain a healthy body image? I definitely need to make a whole separate episode on this. I've talked about it a lot before, but my whole perspective has really been changing since growing my relationship with God. Um, I think that I used to confuse, you know, having a positive self-image with vanity and pridefulness. And so because I was so insecure, once I flipped the switch of loving my body, it was kind of too over the top where I made my body my idol. And that's something you don't want to do. So it's like this fine line between, you know, hating yourself not great. And then, you know, making your body an idol. And, you know, our body is not our own. Um, I think it's in 1 Corinthians 6 where it talks about, you know, we were bought with a price. Our body is not our own. It is a temple of God. You know, the Holy Spirit dwells here. So, of course, we need to, you know, make sure that we are upholding our body and our and our health you know and not completely neglecting our health but then the other part of that 
coin goes, we don't want to make that an idol. And I think especially, you know, being involved in fitness, it's very easy to place so much worth on your outward appearance. And so I've had to look at, you know, my fitness goals and see really where I'm coming from. So I think to answer all of this, how do you maintain a positive body image? Whenever you have thoughts that may be negative about your body, taking them captive, thinking about what the Lord is telling you, and then asking yourself why you're doing the things you're doing. You know, why you are constantly flexing in every mirror you see why you are wearing, you know, the certain outfits that you you wear to maybe show off your body, you know, just asking yourself questions. And this is never to like judge anyone. Um, but I think it's just so important to know the reason and your heart posture behind why you do the things you do. Um, because, you know, if you are avoiding a certain food because it makes you feel very bad because your, your stomach hurts, you know, that's a very good reason to avoid that food. But if you're avoiding these certain foods because you hate your body and, you know, you want to look a certain way, you want to look like this person who avoids those certain foods, I think that can become very quickly in vain and you can have that restrictive mindset, which is something I had. So yeah, I'm going to do a whole separate episode on this, but definitely an important topic. Um, the last question I got was, do you think working out can help with a heartbreak? And when I first got this question, I didn't go, I didn't have my breakup happen yet. And so I was thinking like, yeah, um, you know, I saw this question at a glance and I was like, yeah, I think it could help. But of course you have to have God. But then I went through this breakup and I didn't work out for a week. And quite frankly, all I wanted to do was spend time with God and my body, number one, really needed that rest. So to answer that question, while I think working out can help, because, you know, you're focusing your mind on something else, I think it's also important to look at why you're doing that. Are you working out after a breakup to get a revenge body, to, you know, try to find your worth in something else, to try to place a new idol and make your body, like, super great because, you know, you want to show him that, you know, he's losing, he's missing out, right? I think that's not a good place to be when you know you're working out after a breakup so really looking at why you do things you do um overall god is the only thing that helped me through this breakup and so i didn't go to the gym because i just fully wanted to focus on god now i'm getting back into my routine still keeping god number one but anyway i could go on all day and i really love talking with you but i think we need to make a um, part two another time of the questions that I didn't get to because there were a lot of good ones and I'm really so thankful that you stayed here and listened and if you do have any questions for me um, feel free to dm me on instagram at adriana.refrano and if you did like this episode make sure to follow the podcast um, subscribe if you're on youtube yeah, other than that, I thank you so much for listening and I really hope that, you know, together we can continue to place our life on God and God alone and, you know, have everything centered around him because that's really when we can create a life we love. I'll talk to you next time.